Hey, Al McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Solar Panel. I hope everyone's having a good Saturday morning. I really appreciate you guys signing on. It's off season. What the heck are you doing here? But anyway, I'm happy you're here. I'm very happy you're here. I have a couple of excellent guests, uh, but first I want to tell you who I am for people who are joining for the very first time, which, man, if you're joining for the very first time a month into the off season, you uh, have found the right place to be. I'll tell you that. My name is Dave King. I am at Dave King NBA on Twitter. All my writing is at brightsideofthesun.com. And we do this solar panel at least once a week. This is really, this is, this is the place for the diehards and the casuals uh, because we don't get too deep. We don't get uh, too, too buried in the weeds. We talk about the team. We talk about the league. Everything is, it's just a good time. All right. I have some special guests today. The first special guest I want to bring in for you is a dude many of you will remember from the days of when he started out as the first host on the Solar Panel podcast. He used to run the show. He used to set us all up, get everything. Now I'm stuck doing all this stuff, having fun with it, but I'm stuck doing it. But now here we've got to the show, Tim Tompkins, NBA. How you doing, Tim? Dave, it is uh, it is wonderful to see you. It is wonderful to talk to everybody. And I have spent the last eight months thinking to myself, damn, if I didn't quit the show at the wrong time. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you quit. You quit. You have not actually covered the show when the team had a winning record. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about leaving at the wrong time. I mean, it's 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 been an ongoing joke between my friends and I, but uh Saul has done an amazing job. <laughs> I've tuned in to virtually every single episode that that you guys did. I really enjoyed specifically the episodes that you guys were doing right after all the games and the finals with the uh, uh Suns uh, uh jam the session Suns guys. Jam. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought that those were just phenomenal and I couldn't be happier. Really, I I spent the last 8 months uh just being ecstatic for you and Espo that have spent so many years covering the Suns uh, to finally be able to talk about a winning team, a winning record. What did it feel like to finally be able to talk to, about that and just be positive and only positive, not talking about, um, you know, draft picks and and it, whether or not Dragon Bender should be getting more minutes and, and Josh Jackson's and all that crap. Oh man, this has just been so fun. I don't think we've had, I mean, obviously it's just been a great season. The entire season has been all about the Suns being one of the best teams in the league and how, you know, how we're expected to actually win every game. This is, this has been surreal. You know, in the past, you and me and Greg used to predict sometimes uh, how the Suns would do in the next year or the, sorry, in the next week between pods. And we would predict winning records and every single time we'd be disappointed. Uh, this this whole season, we stopped predicting because it would have been, oh, they're going to go 4-0. Oh, they're going to go 4-0. Oh, they're going to go, you know, whatever it is. So I think it's just, an, uh, it's just it was a great season. Huge, incredible successful season for the Suns and a great season for uh, the podcast, all the podcasts. Now, um, I also want to bring on a third co-host, a second co-host for the guest co-host for the day. Another person who's been around 
in the trenches the entire time. What's great about this this set of of folks today is that we're not just front runners who joined the pod in the last year when the Suns get good. We're the ones who've been covering the team nonstop, sitting at those games when there was only six people um, in you know at the at the games. Two of those were me and Gerald. <laughs> Gerald Borgay is joining us this morning. Good morning, Gerald. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Oh, doing great. Thanks for getting up out of bed. I know this is this is uh, early <laughs> for someone of your of uh, your um, age, so I appreciate it. This is what eight o'clock looks like. If you didn't yeah, know, the sun is, really is up. This is not my typical time bracket, but I'm here for you, Dave. <laughs> Uh, yes. Thank you for coming on, Gerald. So, uh, Tim, uh, you started potting with us five years ago and we potted almost the entire time of the losing team. Gerald has been sitting next to me in media row for longer than that. What's the first season you covered Gerald? That was, I came in halfway through the 2014, 15 season, like right <laughs> after, like right after the Goran Dragic and Brandon Knight trades went down. <laughs> Right after, right wow. after. So you guys have been you guys have been around for the worst of times. That is definitely for sure. Um, so yeah, I know this, and and we've all been there. So now we get to talk about a winning team. Yeah, it's the off season. They're not going to play anytime real soon. Um, although training camp is only six weeks away, uh, the team looks almost exactly the way they did at the end of the finals. And but we do have some storylines to talk about. So I want to get into the show. I've got we've got a big show for you guys today. The three of us are going to cover several topics, and we're going to go around the horn on all of them. Um, we've got the Suns came out with this, uh, the schedule release, and we'll talk about that. They decided to keep their Valley jerseys around for another year, which was not supposed to happen, but they just said, screw it, we're going to do it anyway. We're going to talk about Jalen Smith, the best summer league player since... Josh Jackson. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna do a stat me Dave section on um whether the Suns can can sustain their contender status and and historically what that means and what how how similar they look to other teams that um that surprised the league, came up real quick, made it to the finals. Did they make it back and can they make it back? Um, we're gonna talk about player tiers uh from a from an articles article series of articles put out in the athletic. Um, see how the Suns are ranking these days. And then our big topic of the day is we're going to debate what kind of extensions should be given DeAndre Aiden and Mikel Bridges. I know nobody nobody has an opinion on this, right, Gerald? Nobody. No, uh, no. Nobody it's, it's all very cool. It, right? <laughs> yeah, cool, level-headed opinions on this for sure. <laughs> okay, uh, just to make sure everyone knows, uh, if you don't know Gerald, uh, Gerald has um, – He's an M the NBA editor and lead Suns writer for the Step Back on Fansided. He also hosts Valley of the Suns podcast. He's a former Hoops Habit, Habit editor. What else do we need to know about you, Gerald? I mean, I feel like that's pretty much it. You pretty much covered it. I've just been covering the Suns for about seven years now, six years now. And uh, I think you hit all of my title. You made me sound like uh, Daenerys Targaryen with all those titles there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what there is one thing i don't know about you that i need to know right now what's that why why <laughs> here is we it? go 
that you, you, everyone who's on the YouTube show right now can see that Gerald is not a bad looking dude. He's got Thanks. good facial hair. <laughs> He's got the full head of hair. He doesn't have early, you know, early uh, baldness or anything like that. Good looking guy. Nice guy. He's athletic. He's all these things. Why did you have to go all the way to Duluth, <laughs> Minnesota to get a date? I need to know this. <laughs> so I honestly don't know. I mean, if you go back to Jon Snow, he had to go beyond the wall to find the first love of his life. So, I mean, I don't, I just had to uh, do the same thing. I guess. Her, or she got, well, killed. that's, <laughs> we don't need to go with spoiler alert, Dave, but <laughs> um, no, I, <laughs> Is that I, why she's not there in the room right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, it went South in Duluth, but no, she's uh she's great. I, I met her on a dating app. She was visiting Arizona one weekend and we just kind of, hit it off. And so now it's, uh, yeah, now it's become a thing and she's trying to move out here to Arizona. So fortunately, no, I'm not going to be covering the Timberwolves anytime soon. I've gotten that question. Oh, too many yeah, times. We don't want to lose you to Minnesota, man. No. Uh, so when you come back to Phoenix, it's just, that's, that's what you said. When you came back to Phoenix, you had to catch up on all your shows. Cause you got nothing better to do all of a sudden again, man, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you're going to be making trips. You got to make lots of trips. So Gerald, thank you for joining us. Tim, it's so great to have you back. Uh, Tim took the wrong eight-month hiatus from the solar panel. He is just a guest. He's not um, coming back full-time. Gerald's not. Uh, Gerald's a guest as well. I know everyone's wondering who's going to be joining me full-time on solar panel. I haven't decided who's good enough for me yet. So, you know, I'm going to be picky this time around because, you know, I, I believed in other people that just uh, stopped believing in me. So I'm just going to take my time. Figured out, do some dating. Boy, you guys, wait, I found wait. you is guys. There, on is my there some things I, I don't know? No, there's nothing you don't know. I'm just giving a hard time. I'm just giving <laughs> these guys out because I know Saul is in the chat right now. He's probably sitting there going, boop, 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 boop. No, no one left right. the show so, that I'm aware of, right? No one left the show. Well, so you're sitting here. Yo, man, you are really not paying attention. No, 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 I have, I have tuned. I'm telling you, once, uh, once the NBA season was over, once the Suns lost that, that final game, and the 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 Bucks um, hoisted the the Larry O'Brien, I just, um, I, I tuned out completely. Yeah, well, so did my co-hosts. So, right. uh, we've got, we've got the Dave King Solar Panel. We have a new podcast feed. I would really, really appreciate if y'all listening to this would go on to Apple Podcasts. I'll put it at the end of the show. I'll put the link back in there. Find the new show with the orange logo. It's the new show, orange logo. And uh, the old show is going to be replaced by something else that, that Espo and Saul are working on. Uh, that is going to be a whole different podcast at some point, but they haven't rebranded yet. So I put the link in the chat for you guys to see. I'm showing it on the screen. Of course, you can't click on what's on the screen, but I'm showing it on the YouTube screen right now. It's in your chat. Go in there. Do me a favor. Follow the new the new feed so you can hear audio later because everybody who's on the YouTube show wants to hear this in audio later on. Um, and that's we all do it. Um, so thank you. And share it with your friends and all that, too. Uh, new show. Old name. Old host one old host, and I'm looking for new partners. So right now we're going with guests uh, because I'm dating around. Because, you know, when you're single, you got to date around a little bit to make sure you find the right match. That's what and I should have said you when you asked me my, my question. 
you find a good one though, pay attention, pay attention to the good one. You know, give, give the effort to the good one. Don't just date around for the sake of dating around. Otherwise, then you end up losing the good one because you were just dating around having a good time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'd say, hey, man, you got to recognize the difference between just dating around and, and when the good one did show up. That's true. Yeah. So I got to make sure I recognize that when it happens. And if anybody in the chat sees that I'm not recognizing it, virtually hit me up the side of the head. All right, let's get into our show. Let's get into the real show because people are here not for soap opera time or anything like that. They're here for an actual show to talk about the Phoenix Suns. This is a Phoenix Suns show, and we are going to go through a lot of topics. So the first thing I want to go over, uh, we want to go over today, is that the Suns put out their schedule for the next year. And what do you know? For the first time, we just lost Tim. Where'd Timmy go? Ah, see, here's you go, man. Uh, y'all are on this like new platform with all these new buttons. No, there's only the one button, right? <laughs> I, I, I'm just, it's I'll just stop. the one. All right, it's not the same. It's not the same. That was my bad. Won't happen again, guys. My bad. <laughs> uh, hey, so we've got uh, the sun schedule just came out yesterday. I know Tim's been deep diving into this thing. Totally, totally scraping for all where the back-to-backs are, where the you know where the home and homes are, all these things. Um, here's the here's the highlights, folks. Here's the highlights I got out of it, and then I'm, I'll, I'll see we'll see what Gerald got out of it too. What I got out of it is the Suns have the fifth most national TV games this next year. They like us again. The national media likes us. The TV show, the TV stations like us. I was a little bit worried uh, that the Suns would not get as many national TV games as I had hoped they would because um, when the in the second half of the season, when the networks get a chance to flex in extra games, or, or in this past year, they totally, totally set the national TV schedule with the second half, halfway through the year. The Suns got less time on TV when they were already good. So I was worried they wouldn't give the Suns a lot of credit this year, but they did. Suns are the fifth most. The only, there's only a few teams with more times on TV. You're probably not going to like this Suns fans, but guess what? The Lakers are spending more than half their season on national TV. Is anybody surprised by that one? No, no. I, I can. Uh, when you are sitting around and just talking basketball with with um, casual or uh, interested NBA fans, the one team that everybody lands on where they talk about whether or not they're a fan of that team and as frustrating as it is, the Lakers. It is what it yeah. is. They're all over. They're like they're like termites. The, uh, you can't the get rid of them. Facebook Cockroaches. Suns groups where they keep posting about Lakers. Yeah, and it. I mean, yeah. even in the Suns group, they don't stop. Right. Yeah. So more than half, forty-two of their eighty-two games are going to be on national television. Um, the Nets, the Warriors, Nets, and Bucks are the other teams with more national games. Nobody else does. What do you think about that, Gerald? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's really impressive. Honestly, you look at the four teams that are ahead of them, and it's the Lakers, who have LeBron and Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis, and were defending champs before this season. You got the Nets, who are just star-studded from top to bottom. You got the Bucks, who are the defending champs, and then you got the Warriors, who have Steph Curry, and we know the Steph Curry effect on ratings and all that. So, I mean, it makes sense. Like, it's really impressive the Suns round out that top five because, I mean, that's – that's really cool. Like we never would have guessed that. I think uh, Brandon Nazy Sports Zone tweeted out that 
they have more national televised games this year than they did like in the last decade combined, which is insane. So, I mean, that's, that's, it's, it's, it's probably it feels, true, actually, but it's kind of close, right? <laughs> like You have to think Man. about it at least. So, I mean, that's kind of exciting that like Suns fans will actually get to see their team on national TV more often um, because a lot of the times we've been having to pay for league pass or if you're in Arizona, just watching for free, I guess. But like, this is exciting. It's an exciting time to be a Suns fan. They're actually going to be well-known across the country, which is what people have been clamoring for for Devin Booker for years now. Yeah. Is there any fear of overexposure? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess that could be a fear, but like, I, I think the biggest fear for Suns fans is that I, I saw this come up multiple times yesterday when the schedule dropped was the fear of casuals having a, strong opinions about the Suns, despite not really knowing the Suns, because that's always been a thing with Devin Booker as far as people having opinions of him without actually watching him play. Well, at least this time they'll get to watch the Suns play. <laughs> at least it'll be informed this time, right? Hope, hopefully. So, Fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, a little bit more informed. They will have actually seen the players in the jerseys on the court. So that's true. We have spent... Uh, Tim, in, in your way, Gerald, in your way, me in my way, we have spent the last several years defending Devin Booker's ability to be the best player on a great team. And he actually proved it this year. He actually was the best player in the finals for the Suns. And uh, the, they had a 2-0 lead, and they had leads in two other games um, in the second half that they should have been able to win. <laughs> win but they didn't uh look the magic can't last forever and i, I feel like just we got had, as monty williams put it we beat them four times in a row they beat they beat us four times in a row they won the right ones <laughs> they got the right four uh, hey, let, uh, let me so. ask you let me ask you a question uh since y'all cover cover the suns now and i'm just a casual listener um I heard very little talk, and not, I'm not just talking solar panel, whether it be national podcast, the, the podcast locally that covered the Suns, the Dario Saric injury. I mean, that really changed the trajectory of the series, and it felt like just something nobody really talked about. You're right. Uh, we didn't talk about it very much either, because in my, in my opinion, Dario would have had a tough time in that series, but then again... Somebody needed to watch Brooke. I'm sorry. Yeah, Brooke Lopez. Somebody needed to Bobby watch Brooke. Bobby Portis and, or, you know, well, another. Yeah, or Bobby Portis. To... You're right. Because what, what the Bucks did is they went big, right? Every single game was Giannis was not the only big on the court most of the time. So um, that would, what do you think, Gerald? What do you think? Should we have set, talked more about Dario being missing? Yeah, I think it was probably the timing of it because the Suns did go up 2-0 in the series and and so people were feeling good and they were like, okay, we lost Dario, but we're still up 2-0 in the series. We just have to do what we haven't done all season long and lose four straight games. <laughs> and then, Of course, that's what happened. But I, I feel like it did kind of fly under the radar a little bit. I think he would have helped as far as just being another big body, another guy that can kind of bang in the paint because he's not super tall. He's not like a rim protector or anything like that but he is big enough to make an impact on guys like, you know, Brooke Lopez or Bobby Portis, like you were saying, and the Suns really could have used his skill set on the perimeter as far as being, you know, that secondary playmaker, that floor spacer that we've seen from him at the, at the backup five spot. So I, I think it was one of those things where he definitely would have helped, 
I'm just not sure how much it would have ultimately mattered. I think it would have helped on keeping the Bucks off the offensive glass because that really killed the Suns in that series as it went on. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things where you look at that series as a whole and the biggest factor was Giannis just playing like a Greek god. And I'm not sure how much that would have changed with Sharich. So, right. He played the best basketball of his career yeah. at the right time. So great for him, right? Just like, in earlier rounds, Devin Booker played the best basketball of his career to close out the Lakers. And DeAndre Ayton mm-hmm. played the best basketball of his career to help win those first three series. Uh, he was, <clears throat> in many people's opinions, the MVP of the playoffs, the first three rounds. And then uh, you've got, uh, obviously, Chris Paul, when he wasn't injured, playing the best basketball of his career. He's the oldest player. He scored, like, what, uh, 41 points to close out the – Clippers, Clippers. and then I think 34 points to start off the finals. Mm -hmm. And that's the most combined points in two games for a player at that stage at his age, like in history. Mm -hmm. Um, So the Suns just didn't get those kind of performances to close out the finals. The Bucks did. So big, big, big kudos to Giannis for becoming that guy when he needed it most. This is also the same guy who came up a little short four straight years in the playoffs wasn't this guy four straight years in the playoffs. So I see that as, as a, as a potential for the future of the Suns getting that good um, among their younger players anyway. So back to the schedule, the Suns are playing on Christmas day for the first time since what is it? 2010. Oh, uh, nine. but the nine, 10. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. 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 So first time, um, I don't know. That wasn't it. I don't think, but that wasn't the Roger Mason hitting the shot in the corner to win it over Grand Hill, was it? That might have been a year or two before. But I went to a Christmas Day game in Phoenix in either 08 or 10. And um, Roger Mason, Grand Hill, hit a, hit a shot with about seven seconds left to put the Suns up by one mm-hmm. over the Spurs, the hated Spurs, <laughs> only to see, or maybe it was up two, only to see them uh, um, Tony Parker do a driving kick to Roger Mason from a corner three to win the game as time expired on Christmas day. You wouldn't believe how loud the stadium was right up until the shot went down. And then how quiet 20,000 people were on Christmas day when all their presents got taken away from them before they could open. That That's was, such a Spurs thing to do. <laughs> that is Phoenix such a too. Spurs thing to do. Oh gosh. So the Suns this time they get to play the golden state warriors on Christmas. That should be a heck of a game. I just saw a report this morning that Clay Thompson, the Warriors are targeting Christmas Day for Clay Thompson to return. Yep. What do you guys think of that? Tim. About the Clay Thompson part or what about an honor Warriors it is to general. just be playing either the Warriors way. Yes. On Talk Christmas. to us about I mean, your thoughts on Christmas Day. Uh, so I got to I got to be honest. So uh Dave, you had hit me up earlier this week. Um, and he said, Hey, would you like to, to guest on uh, the solar panel this week? And I was, I was like, nah, man, there's, there's just not much going on. I haven't been paying as close of attention to the off season as I probably should have really needed to, to decompress and take a break. And then I saw that they were playing the Warriors on Christmas and I immediately wrote you uh, a message and said, "Never mind, I'm in, I'm in. This is, uh, this is incredibly, uh, it's an honor and it's, it's wild. And it says so much about the sun's ratings. And one thing too, I think is important is uh, the, the Suns really, for a lot of casual fans, just became a really likable team last year. 
you know, front front to back. And you can kind of say the same thing about about the Warriors. They were just, you know, is, uh, especially after without KD, they were just a really likable team. Right. So the NBA has said, look, let's put two likable teams uh, on it on at the same time uh, playing each other for that. Uh, uh, marquee matchup on Christmas, and it's it's amazing. And if Clay comes back, cool. Uh, if he does, honestly, he probably won't play all that well. It's his first game back, and I think it would do the Suns um, good if he were on the court, most likely. Yeah, I it mean, would it's, do the it's... Suns good if he were on the court. Yeah, I mean, I think he's gonna be rusty. Most most players don't take that much time off and then come back and just drop forty. You know what I'm saying? Especially with yeah. an Achilles and a and a and a knee as well. Gerald, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, like Tim said, it's very exciting because they were surprisingly a team that a lot of, you know, casual fans wanted to hop on the bandwagon when the playoffs hit rolled around and they were such a fun team. Um, so it is nice to see them kind of rewarded with that Christmas Day game for the first time in over a decade. Um, and against the Warriors, like that's a primetime matchup. That's a team that everyone around the country knows, Steph Curry. They have star power, and this is kind of the next step for the Suns. You know, obviously they made the finals run, but for casual fans, um, some of them still might not know that much about the Suns. So this is another opportunity for them to show off, to showcase what they're doing. And if Clay Thompson is making his return on Christmas Day, if that's what it winds up being, like that just adds even more attraction to this matchup. So that's that's a really cool thing for Suns fans. And it, it's awesome that, you know, the Suns get to host a home game, I, I think, that playoff run solidified that this is one of the best arenas in the NBA as far as how loud it is, um, just how energetic the fan base is about having a good team again. So it's just exciting vibes all around, honestly. Yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. I, I it, For some reason, because a couple of weeks have passed, uh, I forgot about this and I should never have forgotten about this. But I'll bet one of the reasons that the Suns are um, on so many national games is because of the fans. The fans mm -hmm. were so incredible this past year. Um, when the uh, certainly when um, the fans were starting to let back in the state, even when there was only five thousand, <laughs> it was such a difference, you know, from zero. Um, but also, it was just bigger than any other team's five thousand, louder than any other team's five thousand fans. It was incredible. And so, yes, I, I think um, the fans, all of you guys who went to a game, who were lucky enough to go to a game and had enough money in their pockets to go to a game in the playoffs because the Suns playoff ticket prices were crazy high. Um, mm -hmm. Thanks to you, the Suns are on national TV so much because it makes a national uh, it makes a TV broadcast so much better when the fans are drowning out the announcers. It's just great. And uh, they, they they made such an impression. Our fans made such an impression. I'll bet that contributed to, to some of these games. So, yeah, so the Suns are playing on Christmas Day. They're also playing two national games in opening week, not on the very, very opening night when there's only two games, but um, over, over the first four nights, there are eight national TV games, and the Suns are on two of them. Mm -hmm. So that makes Suns one of only three teams with three appearances between those two early releases of opening week national TV and Christmas Day national TV, Suns are one of only three teams besides, I believe it's the Lakers and the Nets who are on three times in those in those nights. And then 34 times overall on national TV, that's almost half of the Suns' schedule is on national TV. It's pretty incredible. Um, any other comments about the – oh, um, one other thing I did want to bring up is that the Suns are supposedly 
one of the lucky teams to have one of the easier schedules uh, for the season. Somebody made a graphic. I wish I was smart enough to be able to share that with you guys. I don't know. Well, at least you weren't accidentally can. leaving the chat. See, it's not it's not just me that's <laughs> not fancy new software y'all got. Let man. me see if I can do this. So hold on. This is a first timer for me. So let me see if I can do this, folks. I'm gonna share screen. Oh my. Here we go. Uh also, I wanted to chime in on the chat over here in the comments, uh, and I have no idea how to do so. No. I'm reading all of them, and uh, thank you, everybody, so much. I have no idea how to chat back, though. Like, not a clue. <laughs> what are you talking about? In YouTube? Uh, yeah, well, because we're on this, you know, the, the streaming platform. That yeah, you just open use. YouTube separately. Oh, all right. Thanks. Yeah, you used to be the host, and that's where you would chat back from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just have YouTube open separately in the comments, and you're you're just like one of them. Uh, All right, I tried to share and then told me I couldn't share, but the Suns have one of the easier schedules in the league. Hey, and people listening on the podcast, we, I just wasted the viewers' time as well as your time trying to figure that out. So sorry to everybody. Um, but the Suns do have um, – They uh, guess who has the easiest schedule according to Vegas over-under? <clears throat> has strength estimates of the 21-22 of the season. Guess who they project has the easiest schedule of all? Gerald? Uh, I mean, I, I feel like we're gearing towards Lakers, so that would be my guess. Tim? Yeah, it would have been mine too. Can you freaking believe it? <laughs> yes. It's actually the Lakers who are projected really? to have the easiest schedule, even though they have they are in a division with the Suns and the Clippers. And the Warriors. Yeah, and, there's the, and the Warriors. Yeah, and the Kings. The Just kidding. The Kings. Well, the Kings are they not going to be one of the worst in the league. They got players, right? They got. They do have players, yes. Uh, guess who the second easiest is Dallas, and the third easiest is the Bucks. Okay. The Suns are where somewhere around 10th easiest or so, according to Vegas win over under. So as far as predicting – the wins for uh, by the wins for uh, among your opponents. Yeah. So there we go. The Pacific division is going to be a dogfight again. Uh, but my, I've always said, and Tim knows this, I've said it for five years, you just got to be good. And the rest of it works itself out. You can't be worried about what other teams are doing. If you just win your games, you're good. You're good. And the right. Suns did it last year. It wasn't about how good anybody else was. It was about how good the Suns were. That's all that matters. And I, I do think it's interesting if the one thing that stood out on the schedule to me is if you look at the first like month or so, it's a pretty favorable. I mean, obviously, we just said that they have like the 10th easiest schedule, but they have a really favorable opening month or so. Um, like the best teams they play, they play the Jazz twice. They play the Lakers and the Nuggets, obviously, to start the season. But the Nuggets don't have Jamal Murray. The Lakers are still going to be trying to figure things out. Um, they've got the Clippers and then they've got the Jazz twice. And other than that, the other teams that they play are, you know, decent or probably not non-playoff teams. So it'd be good for a team that has continuity on its side, aside from a couple of minor new faces, to like get off to a good start to the season um, and kind of do what they didn't do as much as we would have liked last season as far as beating teams 
at or below 500 because that was that was a schedule a struggle the suns were actually better for the against teams yeah well i mean yeah but like for overall i think they finished with a better record against teams above 500 than they did below sure. 500 so i feel like this year would be a nice year to put that habit to bed and get off to a strong start against some of these lesser teams absolutely yeah no it's well, I'll be I'll be very interested to see how the Suns do that because it is tough when you're playing so well. They weren't used to being the clearly better team, and mm-hmm. they thought they could just show up sometimes uh, and play the bad ones. And the bad the bad teams use that as their little mini playoffs. And the, maybe next year the Suns will be more ready for that. All right. So that is the any other comments on the schedule before we move on. Uh, curious, uh, kind of schedule related, but with the addition of Alfred Payton, my immediate thought when I saw that was, well, I think the Suns might be planning to rest Chris Paul a little bit this year, a little bit more than they did last year. Um, speaking of the schedule, do you guys agree with that sentiment, disagree with that sentiment? And um, uh, might the the TV schedule uh, kind of show for sure which games the Suns plan to be playing Chris Paul in? What do you think, Gerald? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely possible. I think they have that luxury this year more than they did last year a little bit because last year they were trying to figure it all out. You know, we remember the first 16 games of the season, what a struggle those were to kind of get that starting lineup together. And it, it took a good amount of time for that to happen. So I think this year they have that chemistry, they have that cohesion, um, and it would be good to kind of start treating Chris Paul a little bit more like he's 37 years old. Um, obviously he was super healthy last year and that was great until the playoffs. Um, but they need to preserve him for that postseason run. They have a guy who probably shouldn't have been starting in New York, but was a starting point guard in this league. So now that's your third string point guard. That's pretty good. He's a guy that can run the offense, at least give Chris Paul a couple of nights off this season. And they have, I think 16 back to backs this year. So it'd be good to give him some of those off and just let campaign and Alfred Payton run the show for a night. Yeah, I would love to agree with you guys. I actually would. Oh, Hey, big shout out to the one person who gave me a, gave us a down thumb. I think Gerald, don't take it personal. Uh, on the show. Uh, <laughs> that was yours. And yeah, never read the reviews. That, that was something I, uh, I had to, I, I had to learn, uh, by being in broadcasting, don't don't always read the reviews, man. It's especially if you're thin skinned. It's Ooh. humbling. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just giving a shout out. Big props. Man. Okay. Hey. Um. <clears throat> so I have a different take. I've I've met Chris Paul um, professionally, not personally, but I've met Chris Paul. I uh, I've heard him being talked about possibly resting uh, his during his year in Oklahoma City. I heard him being asked about resting his first year in Phoenix. And both times he gave the same exact answer. You guys don't know me. I will not rest. I do not rest. I do not sit games out. I do not take time out. What I do think the Suns were doing is a hoping maybe he'll lighten up his, his, his opinion, his mood a little bit, but also be um, allowing for a midseason injury of some sort. If you've got time out uh, time where Chris Paul can't play and or campaign can't play, Last year, the Suns were stuck with Etwan Moore as a backup, backup point guard. They discovered very quickly that as much as we all love Javon Carter, he cannot run an offense. 
Um, all Javon Carter does with the ball when he's got to put it on the floor is dribble himself into a tougher shot. That's all he does. There's no passing. Once I, he, I was once still, he I was once. still a bit surprised they didn't uh, unleash Javon a little bit more. Yeah, Javon. Season, man. My opinion, and I don't know exactly how scientific this is, um, and since I don't know that, it's not scientific. Um, but I feel like he has trouble with longer, taller players, and the Suns played a lot of bigger point guards in the postseason. There weren't a lot of guys his size. He can lock up someone his size. Uh, but he can't really lock up people that are bigger. And Drew Holiday was just a little bit too big for him. I, I and, and in prior series, I just don't. I think Monty would just would rather ha- had campaign out there and play Chris Paul campaign and Devin Booker for ninety of the ninety six minutes. Um, but when there was injuries, when there was like nobody else can play, like Chris Paul missing the first two games of the Western Conference Finals, for example, um, you've got campaign, and then. Um, Etwan Moore, or you got Devin Booker trying to play point guard, and while that's nice as a change of pace, that's not really something you want to count on. Especially this past year, Devin Booker was not a not as focused on passing as he was the year before. I'm I'm curious to see how that evolves in his second year with with Chris Paul. Um, but so it's nice to have a guy who can actually run an offense in Alfred Payton and a guy who can actually get to the rim sometimes in Alfred Payton, but you just can't expect him to shoot. So he's kind of like going to be a poor man's Ricky Rubio, you know, if he has to play a little bit, which is hopefully not a lot. Shoots around 55% the rim too, if he, if he gets there. So uh, not exactly a dynamic scorer. But it's a no, it's, it's, but it's, it's league average. Cool that, it's about league average uh, uh, for a guard. Yeah. I mean, at the rim. Uh, especially for guards. Yeah, exactly. Not for big men, but, but for guards, usually at the rim, it's like 60%, but for guards, it's a little bit lower. He's not bad. It's just that anywhere outside of that and how he got there, that's always an adventure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, like you said, it's kind of, uh, you're allowing yourself for the possibility that Chris Paul is hurt or that campaign is hurt. Um, because as we saw in the playoffs, when either of those two guys is hurt, the guard rotation was not what it needed to be that deep. And, you know, to be fair, a lot of teams, you could say that about if they have to go to their third point guard off the bench, it's probably not going to be pretty. But I feel like the Suns put themselves in a better position to kind of address that because each one more is a good player. But as a point guard, um, right. you know, he could drive a little bit and look for his own shot. He could shoot a little bit from the perimeter, but he wasn't a guy that you want running your offense in a playoff game. I'm not sure you can say that about Peyton, but if if it's a break in case of emergency type situation, you would hope that that's a little bit of an upgrade. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like playmaking wise and and uh, you know setting up the offense and all that, it's definitely an upgrade to go to Alfred Peyton. I think that's easy, <clears throat> easy to say. Um, Tim, I think you're like a, a bad um, bad juju on my throat because I haven't cleared my throat on a podcast since the last time you were on it. Right. And now here we go. I used to have to try. I can't. I'd even, message. I'd message Dave even, uh, on the private on the private chat like the whole hour. Like, stop clearing your throat. Put it on mute. I can't even with you. <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah, Man. That's funny. All right. Um, so Elf, yes. So Alfred Payton having as a third string is is probably a better backup than Eton Moore, and that's all we need to say about him. We don't need him to be any more than that. 
Next topic is the Suns announced in the last couple of weeks that they are going to keep their Valley jerseys that sold out so well over this past year. So I have a question for you guys. They're going to keep them for another year, which means they get to keep the court they built just for matching the Valley jerseys. Um, how, how, how much more successful do you think the Suns will be this year in not selling out five minutes after any new batch goes on sale? I mean, hopefully better than last year because people have been trying to get these jerseys for months now and they haven't been able to. Like, it's weird that they haven't like restocked or didn't restock even months down the line. Um, so hopefully it's better than last year because I know a lot of people, I mean, they're probably top two, top three Suns jersey of all time already. Like, maybe that's a hot take, but I feel like they are fantastic. So I really well, I really hope that they make them available and that they have a much bigger stock this time because the demand for those jerseys is really high. Um, they've kind of become synonymous with this team and with this finals run. So it'd be nice to see them restock and put some of the coolest Suns jerseys we've ever seen back on the market so more people can actually get them this time. <laughs> Yeah, I actually think with a with an off season, you would hope they'd be able to really <laughs> build up the. I mean, it's just uh, screen printing some <laughs> material, isn't it? <laughs> it doesn't seem that hard to keep this kind of stuff in stock. Scarcity, um, so, scarcity uh, helps create demand. I mean, look at the uh, look at the McRib. Oh, hey, was, uh, was, you guys want to talk about the McRib for a moment? The McRib. I just, yeah, I just learned a really interesting fact yesterday about the McRib. It's not actually rib meat. No, no, not that. It's it's uh, it, there is a certain amount of pork in it, and the McRib is such a popular sandwich, and there are so many McDonald's um, that when they launch the McRib, it actually drives pork prices up. So for the rest of the industry, the only time that they are really able to to launch a McRib is when pork prices are at the bottom. Otherwise, it screws <laughs> over everybody else. So if you want to equate that, but there isn't Sunday, actually any pork in there, is there? Yeah, apparently there's enough to where it drives up pork prices. Pork like products. Yeah. I like man. that. So pretty, pretty crazy. But yes, a scarcity creates demand. So something's always sold out. Everyone wants it a bit more, harder to get, that sort of thing. I did see something. I haven't seen any actual numbers, uh, but I did see something that the Valley jerseys were a top five seller in the past year. So mm -hmm. they had they kept enough in stock to get that high. So yeah, I guess, they, uh, they just need to restock because if, if scarcity creates demand, they were really scarce. I can tell you that they need they need more of them. I, I hope that this whole time they've just been printing more of these jerseys so that they never sell out after. They're just preparing know, just for a keep, 10. Keep the presses going. Yeah, they're preparing for like a decade long run of selling these jerseys. It's fine. <laughs> See Bucks to bar your pork. Business acumen is outstanding, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got to pay attention to something else now that's the uh, off season. Also, <laughs> I got really accustomed to like all this Suns content uh, during during the the post or during the you know finals especially, and then it just stopped. All the national shows just stopped. It was so nice though. It's been nice. It's been nice, man. Two straight months of the Suns at the top of every conversation or almost every conversation was an incredible euphoria. I was so exhausted by the end of the playoffs. I was just physically exhausted mm -hmm. from all the stuff we were doing, but I'm already chomping at the bit for next year. So let's get going here. Um, although I will tell you, let's now let's transition to summer league. 
Um, <clears throat> I used to go to summer league. Tim has gone a couple of times to summer league. I don't know if he's watched it. He has watched some basketball games, um, but I used to go to watch the basketball. And I don't know if it was my point of view, like summer league basketball was not that much worse than Suns basketball. And they often had in recent years, a lot of their same NBA players on the summer league team. So it felt like it was just an extended, like, like our team finally got other teams they could beat. Except they still well, one year um, I believe it was league. like the entire starting lineup for the Suns <laughs> was their minus one player. Yeah, they had that was the Josh Jackson draft year, and they had Chris and Bender and Tyler Ulis from the year before, plus Josh Jackson and Davon Reed, and um, even Devin Booker played a game or two in the, uh, one or two games I think in that summer. That was fun because our team got to beat up on some other summer league team that did. So I'm, I'm saying all this as a bridge to it sucked watching summer league this year. <laughs> it just sucked. It was bad. It, it sucked ass. I mean that those teams were ass that the, in, in, um, uh, gosh, who is it on Twitter? Is it Zinn? Um, who said that the, their ass, I forget who's, who's the, who's the guy who always says every team is ass. but, um, shout out to you. Um, that was bad basketball. That was just, mm -hmm. uh, did you guys enjoy summer league? Um, uh, Tim, I'm sure you were turning on every game, right? All right. Okay. I would have to dedicate an hour of my life to watch Jalen <laughs> Smith. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, I just don't, didn't give a damn. Didn't give a damn. Uh, once he plays on an actual NBA court, cool. We'll watch him then. I kind of think, how that about you, Gerald? Was, uh, was a bust, so. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, I feel like we kind of got spoiled you were in by Duluth the for some of it, but I was, I was in Duluth for some of it. I feel like we were spoiled by the finals run and just going back to summer league basketball was just not really something I was interested in. I tuned in to watch Jalen Smith and that was pretty much the extent of it and Tyshawn a little bit. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, that was pretty much the only thing that Suns fans took away from summer league was how Jalen Smith did and what he did. And that's, that's fine. That's where you want to be as a winning team. You don't want to care about summer league anymore. <laughs> so on the plus side with Jalen Smith, he's the, um, he made first team all summer league. Mm -hmm. um, he, uh, he rebounded like crazy. He's mm -hmm. a guy who as a second big on the floor, which is incredibly to me, incredibly important. He wasn't the only big man and somebody had to grab the rebounds there was always another big next to him in the, in the way the Suns played summer league this year, they were particularly or specifically making him play a few games at power forward exclusively. Not that he'll stay there because James Jones has also said that um, they're hoping he'll reprise the dark. He'll, he'll do the Dario role this next year, which is backup center, not mm -hmm. big next to Aiden, but, they did try him at power forward with a, you know, uh, rando guys next to him, Kevin Alexander, um, Zach Hankins, who, whoa, those guys, uh, Kevin Alexander is, is serviceable, but Zach Hankins, uh, anyway. So, but they played Jalen Smith next to those guys to see how he would do. And what he did is he led all big men in three point attempts without them having even a point guard on the roster. He still showed his ability to be unconscious enough and willingness to stay around the three-point line. And yet, when he led all bigs in three-point attempts, that did not make his offensive rebound suffer. 
He got five offensive rebounds a game, which led summer league. And he had 12 and a half total rebounds a game, which led summer league. So he showed an inside outside ability that we kind of always wanted Dario to have. And he has a reputation though. He didn't do any of it in summer league, but he has a reputation for good shot blocking as well. Um, Having said all that, he's otherwise kind of a mess. Um, he, he can't really finish. He doesn't even know what his left hand looks like. He's about as good as me left-handed as, as you know, he's about as good as I am left-handed and, and that's not a good thing. He's got a lot to work on, but he does. He's not afraid of putting the ball down on the, on the floor to dribble a little bit. He doesn't do anything with it, but he dribbles a little bit and, um, he can make threes at 36% clip and he can, you know, he can rebound. So is that enough, Gerald? for him to actually be a Dario filler next year. Do you think he would beat out JaVale McGee and in what situations? No, I don't think he's going to beat out JaVale McGee. And I feel like, you know, obviously you, when you talk about Dario Saric as kind of an inside out big and you kind of compare that to Jalen Smith, I I get it because Smith can shoot three pointers as well. And he was really good on the glass. Like we, we shouldn't undersell that he led the, league and or he led summer league in rebounding which is impressive um and that's kind of you know for for a Suns fan base that had to watch the backup bigs struggle in this area and even the starting lineup struggle with rebounds that's a really encouraging thing to see i just don't think he's going to beat out javel mcgee i don't think he's that ready yet um you know we obviously saw some encouraging signs in summer league but overall he still shot like 36 percent Um, he doesn't, like you said, he'll put the ball on the floor, but he doesn't do much with it. He's not much of a passer, which is a key thing that Dario and Frank Kaminsky would bring to the second unit. As far as, you know, Monty likes to call them connectors in the way that, you know, you can get them the ball at the top of the key and they can make plays happen with the ball in their hands. Jalen Smith can't do that. He's more of a spot up shooting kind of big, um, which is fine, but it would be nice to see him carve out some minutes. I think it is weird that, you know, they keep trying to play him at power forward when his best spot is probably going to be center. Um, But we'll see. I don't want to put, you know, a ceiling on any 20 some year old player who's entering his second year who didn't get a summer league experience or a real training camp heading into his first year and who was playing on a, on a finals contender. Like he wasn't going to carve out minutes as a rookie. So we'll give him some time. We'll see what he can bring to the table, but he did show some encouraging signs in summer league. And he also showed why it'll be hard for him to crack the rotation a little bit. Yeah, that's a good point. He's not exactly Dario. He's not exactly Frank. He's not exactly um, Jay Crowder, but he has a little bit of a couple of things that could be helpful. And I'm really curious to see how it goes. I do think that summer league was not about I'm, hundred percent sure summer league was not about putting Jalen Smith in his most comfortable role. Mm-mm. Summer league was about James Jones going, I don't care how many games we win. That's why I'm going to bring in all these, all these Euroleague players, uh, American born Euroleague players. I'm going to bring all these guys, these guys in. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to put us, I'm going to always have a center next to Jalen. I want to see how he looks at power forward. Now, James, Jones's evaluation of how he looked at power forward will tell you um, what happened. You know, that's going to inform us on what happens in training camp. If Jalen Smith said, you know, if they look at that and they go, you know what, he's much better just as a backup center. Fine. 
he gets to, he gets to share Dario's role with JaVale McGee, which is 15 minutes a game between the two of them. But if he can show that he can play next to Aiden a little bit, then he can get more. Um, if they think he can't do either role that well this year, that's when you probably end up trading him. But the whole thing, the whole summer league was about evaluation. It wasn't about making Jalen Smith look as good as possible for himself. Mm -hmm. That's what rookie summer league is for. Suns just didn't have any of those on the team, but I would look back at the Suns summer league history and almost every one of their good summer leagues that you remember were the rookie rookie summer league for these guys. Their second year summer league when they were asked to work on their weaknesses was terrible. Josh Jackson is a good example. His rookie summer league, he averaged nine rebounds a game and 17 points. And he shot like 40-something from the field, 40% from the field. Looked great. Second year, it was so embarrassing. He hardly ever, I mean, there, there, was, there was no future for Josh Jackson after his second summer league. It was just awful. Um, so we'll see. <clears throat> we will see. We will see what happens. I'm curious how, how that comes out. Um, he did make first team all summer league, as, as you mentioned earlier in the show. Um, they, uh, <laughs> I just noticed in our show notes, Tim put in extra comments. Do not ask Tim about Jalen Smith <laughs> in summer league. That's totally fine, Tim. None of us have any more, much more information than we did before. So you, you picked the right time to just bow out. Let's go to something next. That let's see our next topic. We are 50. Oh, geez, we're 53 minutes into the show. You know what? We're gonna jump all the way into the big topic, okay? Because we're already 53 minutes in, and I want to spend a little bit of time on this extensions for DeAndre Ayton and Mikel Bridges. Um, our friend, our uh, the guy who sat with you and I, Gerald, at every game for the past several years. Brendan Clean uh, had a Locked on Suns episode yesterday where he spent the entire time arguing two things. Not the entire time, but most of the time arguing two things. One is that if the Suns were going to give Aiden a max deal, they would have done it by now, a max extension. So let me give you, let me, uh, for, the ones, for the folks who aren't totally on this, including our second co-host, um, <clears throat> DeAndre Ayton is eligible for a rookie extension. He's still under contract for next year for 21-22 for around $12 million, I think, is the is the number um, on his first, on, on his initial rookie deal. But then he's eligible for a max up to a max extension of up to around $172 million over five years. <clears throat> that would still put him and that's sorry, that's at the 25% number. 25% of the cap is a standard max. You can also do a designated rookie max of up to 30% of the cap, but that can only almost always is only given to folk, uh, players who already made all NBA, which DeAndre Eaton is not. So the normal max, so to speak, um, would be 25% of the cap, which is around $30 million, $31 million, would still put him a little bit, right? Even with Chris Paul, a little bit below Devin Booker. Um, do you, but what Brendan pointed out is a, all those max deals to rookie contracts, those max extensions are almost always agreed to within the first couple of weeks of free agency, just to, just as a handover. Um, and Aiden, no center who hasn't already been an all-star has been given a rookie max extension 
in the past several years. Those two things being true, I think about 90% of Suns fans were in agreement that Aiden should get the max after that playoff run. So which, which is true? Gerald, tell me what you think. Should DeAndre Ayton get the max, even though he hasn't been an all-star yet, and because and even though he's a center? Or should the Suns spend the summer negotiating something less? I mean, I, I think my opinion, notwithstanding the fact that it hasn't been done, like you said, kind of shows which way the Suns are leaning on it. And I think that's fine. Like I, you know, obviously with these types of deals, you're projecting for years down the road instead of what just happened and what just happened as we saw in the playoffs should change the way that you approach this conversation. Cause heading into the postseason, I don't think anyone would have been talking about, you know, $172 million max for Deandre Ayton. Like we were right. still bemoaning there. <laughs> it was a storyline just this year. Like why isn't Deandre Ayton dunking more? And then in the playoffs, he's throwing down game-winning alley-oop dunks in the Western Conference Finals. So the transformation there is really important in evaluating this. I also do think that a max of five years, $172 million is a lot. And I've seen people saying like, oh, well, maybe just a little bit less than the max. Well, less than the max in this case would be like four years and $133 million. So there's a difference of nearly $40 million, as uh, our friend David Nash pointed out on Twitter. So there's a big there's a big difference there. So a little less than the max isn't really a thing that exists. So it kind of makes sense that they haven't been able to come to an agreement if the Suns weren't 100% willing to be like, hey, here's your max. We're doing it. We're going all in on you, um, that type of thing. And I understand the hesitation there a little bit just because, okay, we saw it for the playoffs. We saw the impact that he can make in the postseason. Now let's see it for a full season. Let's see where his offense goes as far as being becoming more of a shot creator, that type of thing. And they also have, you know, a lot of money dedicated. They're going to have to give Mikhail Bridges his extension. They're going to have to worry about Cam Johnson in the near future. Um, I think if you give DeAndre Ayton a max, I certainly wouldn't be upset about it. I think he can definitely grow to be, and he already is like basically a top five center based on what we saw in the playoffs in the NBA, which is impressive for a third year guy who's only 22 years old. So I wouldn't be mad if they gave him a max, but I do understand why they might be pushing for quote unquote less than the max, which is basically a full year and like $40 million. Yeah. Um, so what do you think? What do you think, Tim? I thought Brandon's episode uh, was really good. So, so shout out to him. I, I definitely enjoy that uh to gerald's point too i think the the i have to agree that the suns are likely um on the less than the max um mindset otherwise it would just be given over to him deandre ayton certainly showed a lot of growth and improvement especially on the defensive end uh throughout the postseason uh i'm not so sure that he showed a lot on the offensive end that was an improvement uh, in the in the Lakers series and the Clippers series in particular, he basically just stood in the dunker spot, which is great. And, uh, you know, I think he was shooting like 70 or 80 percent around the rim. Yeah. Um, but they were all lobs uh, essentially sent over to him. I'm not sure that we even saw, um, you know, uh, one post up move really from him uh, during the postseason. He can't create his own shot. And uh, he hasn't really shown a lot of growth to create his own shot yet. And some of that might also be dictated by, uh, you know, a big man only gets the, the ball when the guards give it to him. 
essentially for the most part, unless he can set an offensive rebound, right? Um, and I, I think that even through his progression in the postseason, we did see some hesitancy uh, still from Booker and, um, you know, to a certain extent, Chris Paul to just not really trust Aiden and give him the ball down low. Um, there were times when when Saul, for example, is screaming on the show, just give Aiden the ball, give Aiden <laughs> the ball, man. Uh, and they don't trust him to do it. And I think that there's there's probably a reason for it. Um, I just don't think he's a max player. I love him. I think he's one of the most humbling uh, players to to listen to, and he's a high integrity, high character kid with a ton of talent. But is he, is just giving him the max going to be what's going to um, you know dictate whether or not he stays or whether or not the Suns can be successful moving forward? Uh, you know, where they're going to do with Cam Johnson because they give eight in the max, they then have to give Mikael Bridges a hundred million dollars. You know. Um, and uh, this team gets real expensive really quick, and you have to maintain some flexibility. And I, I'm not sure that giving eight in the max just because you draft him number one overall um, is the right move. And you know, it's my so here was my reaction when I was listening to Brendan's show. And again, um, love Brendan. Been sitting next to him and, and working with him. He works with me on Bright Side of the Sun um, as well. I, I totally respect his opinions. I don't agree with him, and I don't have to agree with him. Um, he was Brendan's argument and you guys' argument is about the things that Aiton doesn't do. Um, my argument is about the eight things that Aiton does do. Um, you can't spend a lot of time talking about how he did not stop Giannis Antetokounmpo from being the greatest player in the league. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? 450 other players can't stop him either. So to, no, to nobody hold that against Giannis. Nobody. Not, right. Nobody. So to hold that against Aiton is absolutely ridiculous. Um, and you can't do it while ignoring the first 18 games of the postseason where Aiden was one of the best players in the history of centers in the postseason. Now, one of, I'm not, I'm not saying he's Shaq. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying centers usually are not as good as Aiden was in the postseason. He set records for field goal percent. And Tim, no, it wasn't all just open layups. He was actually absorbing contact. And his just way of absorbing contact does not include yelling out. I've joked with him about this in post games, um, or I tried to joke. He doesn't, you know, I'm just a media guy. But um, he has to learn how to yell when he feels contact or anticipates contact so he can draw that foul because that's what the, the refs see contact constantly. They only call the foul when they're induced into it by a guy throwing himself down. How many times did you see Giannis face down on the ground? He threw himself on the ground at any sign of contact to draw the foul instead of draw the charge. Because if you run through it, for Giannis in the past, he used to lead the league in in charges drawn, um, offensive fouls committed because he would run through the contact even though the guy was committing a foul. He's learned how to throw himself to the ground. Um, That's part of Aiden's problem. But anyway, I digress. Let's talk about the things Aiden does do. He's one of the only guys. There was a whole article on on ESPN uh, dedicated to the fact that Aiton has set a new standard for someone that big being able to switch out and and hold his own defensively on the perimeter while also being the best rebounder on the floor, the best rim protector on the floor, and the best finisher on the floor. Now, Brendan's argument um, was, well, you can get Clint Capella to do most of the things Aiton does. Okay, but that's the thing. That's the difference. Clint Capella can do most of the things. He can rebound. He can finish. Great. But Clint Capella is not going to go out on the perimeter and and be passable as a perimeter defender. Neither is Rudy Gobert. Neither are almost all of these other centers. 
Aiton is is that that's what makes him unique and that's what makes him worth more money in a single player because guess what it doesn't matter if you can if you can do all of Aiton's skills in Capella plus others because guess what in the playoffs in any any basketball game only five players take the court at once you can't play seven players you play five players and guess what if one of those can do most of the skills then you then you have more skills on the court at one time so I 100% believe Aiden does not need to be more aggressive and demand the ball. No, he doesn't need to be to be a max player and to be a difference maker to win a finals. He already showed you can win a finals with DeAndre Aiden as long as he isn't the only dude who can defend Giannis Antetokounmpo. Okay, what the Suns' problem was is DeAndre Aiden had to play timid against Giannis, not only play against Giannis, but play timid because he knew there was nobody behind him. Nobody. Because so he uh, had to stay on the court. Dario Sharch was injured. Yes. Yeah. Uh, even uh, Dario see? would have been. Look, even Dario would have been roasted. No, he would have been roasted. Although Dario know. would have drawn some charges. Yeah. Dario yeah. would have drawn a few charges. Aiden wouldn't have had to play forty plus minutes. He wouldn't have had to have played uh, so timid. I think that some of his defense likely would have uh, looked a little bit better because if he would have been uh, essentially fouled off the court, the Suns would have been doomed. Right, 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 exactly. So Aiton was trying to manage the game. And um, I think he did, well, he didn't do as good as he probably will next time if that same situation occurs, but maybe the Sun shouldn't put him in that situation. So, um, okay, yeah, so I'm not going to respond to the trolls in the in the comments here. Um, Aiton is the only reason the Suns made it all the way to the finals. I'm, I'm just going to say Devin Booker and Chris Paul absolutely uh, were great players, but Aiton was the difference maker, in my opinion, in getting them that far. So um, that's so I think the Suns should have uh, the Suns will give him and should give him the max extension, but at the twenty five percent level, not not anything higher than that. If they agree on something less, it just has to be with all eyes open and everybody happy. If it's a force feed and you've got a disgruntled Aiton, <clears throat> you can't afford that. Now let's talk about yeah. Mikel Bridges for a minute. Mikel Bridges, he is, would you guys agree that he should get more or less money than DeAndre Aiden in an extension? Gerald? Oh, less, easily less. Um, and I, I think, you know, you look around the marketplace and it's less, I like he, he won't be getting a max. I, I think the negotiating line is like, you look at OG Anunubi and he got a four year, $72 million deal. I think, um, and then you look at like Terry Rozier, he got a four year extension. Um, I feel like it's probably going to be in the 80 to a hundred million dollar range over four years would be my kind of where I would set the bar for expectations there. Um, but it'll, it'll definitely be less than what Aiton's getting. And that's probably appropriate. Um, you know, like you were saying, Aiton showed that he can be a difference maker on a finals team. I don't think he's. I don't think that alone makes him worthy of a max. I think you project. You have to project a little bit with justifying a max for Aiton as far as what he could become. But with Bridges, we we know what he's going to be. Um, we can see that he's getting really good with putting the ball on the floor. Um, I just don't think he's in terms of his importance. It might not be as high as DeAndre Aiton's will ultimately become. And because of where they were drafted, I think he'll probably be you know, significantly less than what Aiton gets in, in terms of an extension. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to be less too. I think, I, I think Mikel is 
his low number is going to be like the OG Ananobi from last mm-hmm. year of like a four for 72, which is, was that 18 million? Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, other players are getting, you know, closer to Terry Rozier just got four that one hurts. for 97 million. <laughs> Uh, and I would expect that people would rather have Mikel Bridges than Terry Rozier. So we can spend on a different show. We can spend more time talking about what kind of extensions are going on, what, what this looks like for 22 free agency and all that. Um, I've kept you guys already. It's already over an hour. I appreciate you guys' uh, participation and time. You know, you're dedicating to this uh, co-hosts as well as everybody in the chat. We could just spend all day talking about this stuff. I definitely agree. Um, but <clears throat> I would say the bridges, um, probably if I'd be really happy if it's in the 20 million range, I'd be very happy with that. Aiden in the 20, uh, 25 to 30 bridges in the, in the 20, I don't, uh, I just want them to be happy. I want them to be happy and, and, and settled and not have it turn negative on the suns. I do worry about Robert Sarver's ability to make that happen. Um, and now do, it's do you worry about Sarver. future and you know, kind of short-term future flexibility to a certain extent. If they just go handing these these contracts out to everybody for the for the sake of um, keeping them happy, not that they aren't worth it, but I just wonder. Well, if you're a finals team, if you're a finals contender, then that's just the price of doing business to have three or four. The Suns' only problem is is going four huge contracts deep. And uh, most teams can't handle that for a long period of time, but you can handle it for a short period of time. And frankly, the um, <clears throat> there's really only a one-year overlap with Chris Paul. Um, we'll see what the Suns do at point guard going forward, but they're going to need that development from Aiden, Booker, and Bridges to um, bridge the bridge after Chris Paul starts declining. Cam Johnson, um, I, he definitely is going to get a really good contract too, but that's a couple of years down the road. Let's not even worry about Cam Johnson right now. Um, okay, well, um, that has been a great show, you guys. I really appreciate you giving me your time today. We are, wow, we're uh, one ten into the show. Um, thank you, Gerald. Gerald, tell us where we can find you. And, and what kind of work you've been doing lately? You want to promote anything? Yeah. So I actually uh, just wrapped up my almost eight year career with Fansided. So there'll be some exciting things. Thank you. There'll be some exciting things in the future that I'll announce here soon. Um, but for now, you can find me on Twitter at Gerald Borgay. Um, a lot of exciting sun stuff coming on the you horizon. You got to tell us. Just tell us. <laughs> I can't tell you, man. I'm, I'm, <laughs> my hands are My hands are tied. Are you are you going with Espo and Saul somewhere? <laughs> I don't I don't know. My I hands are tied, Dave. I can't. Oh announce. God! All right, all right, all right. That's fine. Okay, so um, you've wrapped up this career at, at Fansided. You did a great job there. Hopefully, that doesn't change Thank anything you. on you going to the games next year. I should still be at games next year. Yeah. <clears throat> good. Good. Yeah. Tim, do you want to? Um, Can't find anything, me anywhere, guys. Or... Also, uh, don't don't hit me up on Twitter. I literally never <laughs> check it. But uh, thank you so much, uh, Blaze, MT, Jim, everybody in the the chat, uh, and uh, you know, especially to to you, Dave. And uh, it's always a pleasure to see you as well, Gerald, uh, for having me back on for an episode. Man, it's an honor. Uh, I was really excited to be able to talk to you guys and talk about the Suns with people other than uh, Florida. 
um, um, fans, which are, you know, they're pretty bellwether, I must say, uh, at, at the, at the best is, is probably the nicest way I can put it. Um, but you know what, they aren't from Arizona, so it's hard to blame them, but, um, an absolute honor. And thank you for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. I am Dave King. You can find me at Dave King NBA on Twitter. You can find my writing where I do most of my work on brightsideofthesun.com. We have a great site over there with lots of different writers, including Brendan Clean and Darth Voida, who's on the jam session and all that. We have really good, really good content over there. Go to brightsideofthesun.com. And of course, you can find us at our new Twitter handle, Solar Panel Pod. Go to that Twitter. Um, the old Twitter is going to get rebranded at some point soon. Uh, and um, our new feed, I'm going to put the link in the chat one more time because what I would like you guys to do when we stop broadcasting, I would like you to click this link, go to that pod, follow or that, yeah, that podcast feed, follow it. And if you feel so inclined, leave me a nice rating, not a bad one, a nice rating. And uh, feel like, and if you want to comment, go ahead and comment too. So I, I really appreciate all the support you guys have, have given today being on this pod. And uh, thank you so much for coming on, Gerald and Tim. Thanks, guys. Talk to you all later.